What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the For the Berg podcast. I am once again your host, Ron Gaeta. It's been a minute since I put out a new episode, and there's no cool reason or anything behind that. I've just been lazy sitting on my couch watching episodes of The Big Bang Theory since HBO Max came out. But my guest today is Matt Good of From First to Last. He talks about how he was the original singer of the band before he met Sonny Moore, better known today as Skrillex, and how he flew out to California to play guitar for the band. One thing led to another, Sonny becomes the new singer, and the rest is history. We also talk about Sonny leaving the band after they signed a huge record deal with their label at the time and how all that played out with Matt returning to the mic to be their lead singer again. He talks about his current role in the industry as a producer and also gives us his daily jag off. Enjoy guys. Nope. Mr. Pop. Can we uh, start from the beginning here, get into some earlier musical influences, when you decided you wanted to play music for a living, or when you when you knew that that was actually a possibility? Um, yeah, basically I was uh, a kid living in a duplex in Rhode Island, um, like a up and downstairs one, uh, growing up with a single mom. She worked at like a Chinese restaurant all night, so I was at home by myself a lot. Um, my sister was there too, but I had these crazy metalhead upstairs neighbors, man. They were cool. I was probably like 11 or 12, and they were probably like as old as I am now, like mid-30s. And I would just like walk up there, and they'd be like, what's up, little bro? And they'd let me like borrow CDs. And I mean, they showed me like Led Zeppelin and Nirvana and Filter and Tool and like, I mean, just like Van Halen, like any rock band you can possibly imagine, like, you know, predating 1993 or so. And it, it was insane. And it like really changed who I was on a fundamental level, like discovering that kind of music at that age. And uh, I think that it just all kind of stemmed from there. Like my love of music grew into my love of guitar. I really loved Kurt Cobain, which coincidentally I'm wearing a Kurt Cobain shirt now. But um, uh, yeah, I think like, you know, that Fender Strat that was so iconic to me when I was a kid. I used to like draw pictures of Fender Strats all the time. And then I finally got one, and I learned how to play, and then honestly, the rest is just kind of history. <laughs> awesome. You mentioned yeah. uh, Kurt Cobain. What would you think of uh, Post Malone and, and Travis Barker? Honestly, they did, they did a really good job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure they did. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I mean, you know, no matter how you feel about Post Malone, I feel like it's impossible to deny that he did that justice. <laughs> oh, for sure, yeah. Um, so something that uh, we, we just talked about before um, hopping on here, something I've done with a couple of the guys when it makes sense to do, like an album run through with a quick story about each record or maybe about the recording process, uh, what was going on during that time with the band, and then your personal favorite song from each uh, album here. So okay. I don't usually do EPs, but I, I think it makes sense to start with uh, the aesthetic EP for okay. if you want to get started with that, because you originally sang for the band first, right? Yeah, awesome. well, it, wasn't, it wasn't only me. Um, Travis, our guitar player, sang a little bit too. And then we also had like, like a lead screamer named phil back then and like he just screamed but like we weren't like a scream heavy band so i've actually over time i think like just kind of like you know there was obviously other things you know but like it just just it just didn't make sense i guess for the band's like sound so um we phased that out that sounds kind of harsh i didn't phase them out but you know what i mean <laughs> um, right uh 
but yeah yeah you know um so okay so my favorite song from the aesthetic ep um that would be my heart your hands that song was the beginning of our career in the case of it being like um something that people noticed that we did that gave us uh you know kind of like a ground to stand on uh and honestly it was weird man i was so young and uh i just remember thinking like oh like these two chords because the whole song is basically like a a sharp and a d chord going back and forth the whole time but that's like the sound of like what makes something feel like post-hardcore or metal it's like that minor scale and i remember like when i first like did it i was just like god this sounds so cool i love it now i hear it i'm like i've heard that eight billion times but when i first you know like back then it was just like not as used and I don't know. It was really cool, man. Like we'd have like label execs like hanging out with us in Gainesville, Florida, where we all lived in like the shittiest apartment you could imagine. The whole band lived there together. It was dirty and gross. And they'd be like flying to Gainesville, take us up dinner, hanging out. I remember Brett Gerwitz from Epitaph and uh, Bad Religion. He like flew there, and he was hanging out with us in our weird little living room thing. Like, and he was showing us how to play Bad Religion solos, and I was just like, this is insane. But yeah. it's all because of that song, basically. Wow, that's awesome. And then, so mo- moving on here to the first, uh, the debut record, uh, Dear Diary, uh, you find a, a singer. What what made you want to find a, a lead singer instead of you just you going on with that? Yeah, yeah. so I was going to sing. Actually, I, I don't think they exist anymore. And if they do, it'd be impossible to find. But like, I think like 75% of Dear Diary was recorded with me singing on it before Sonny joined the band, wow. um, which is funny. And so Sonny, I met on MySpace and like, we would just like mess around with each other on MySpace and like, you know, speak goofballs and try and get attention from chicks and stuff like that. Cause we were kids, like, you know what I mean? And it was a different time back then, but <laughs> um, yeah, you know, so like uh, we were buddies on there and he was just like, so excited about like, life i mean i guess he still is but he uh he called me and he was like hey man like i know that you're singing you should let me play guitar and then he and i never talked to him on the phone before and he was only 15 at the time and i just heard him in the background playing electric guitar with no amp just like playing the song my heart your hands mm-hmm. like really hard too like just like going for it and i was like man this kid this kid's wild <laughs> he's like my dad will fly me out there literally tomorrow and i was like what because I didn't grow up in L.A., man. Like, they don't do that shit other places, really. Especially, what was this, like, 20 years ago or whatever. Right. So, like, um, it was fucking weird. I was like, wait, you're 15? Your dad's going to fly you all the way across <laughs> the country tomorrow without hesitation? So he did. And then we hung out. And then he was helping to write vocals. And he just had this fantastic voice that sounded kind of like a blend between, like, Anthony Green and Burt McCracken. And I was like, oh, my God. This is crazy. Like, this kid's voice is perfect for what we're doing. And we're like, hey, you should try singing on this. And he did. And it was just like, bam, that's it. We're doing it. And that was the rest is history. So what would your favorite song be off of uh, Dear Diary? What is my favorite song? I think it's probably Note to Self. Just because I think that that's, that was one of the first songs we did when Sonny decided to like get on board. And uh, I thought it was just like really cool. It's a really original song. Like even by today's standards, I really there's nothing else really like it. It's extremely its own thing. <laughs> and uh, sure. it's cool. The only part that would be considered a chorus only happens like in the middle of the song one time and it takes forever to get to it so it's cool you guys decided to re-record that in 2014 2015 ish right honestly like we were just making that dead trees record and we had extra time and we're just like hey we should just try recording these because you know once you get we're talking like so many years later you're like oh audio has really come a long way i wonder how it's time to record it by like today's standards of good sounding 
you know, and it was just out of curiosity, and it was fun. I thought it was cool. Yeah, that was cool. Um, next album here, uh, Heroin. That was well, we made it in '05. It came out in '06. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, favorite song on Heroin. Jesus. <laughs> um, I can tell you my favorite story about Heroin. Yeah. Yeah. Looking for stories and and favorite song if you if you can. I mean, that's <laughs> that's up to you. Well, this 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 record has the most to tell. Like this is like when we were like I would legitimately say we were famous at this point, and it was the only point the band was actually famous where I would where I could like objectively say it like it altered our lifestyle. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, and there was just a lot going on at that point. You know what I mean? Uh, but I think my favorite song is the latest plague because that was the first song we made that like kind of catapulted the record in the creative direction it went to. And it was also the song that we sent to Ross Robinson to see if he would work with us as a producer, which he did ultimately, which blew my mind. And um, yeah, so, you know, there's we demoed it like the song was fully written before we ever even got to Ross. And we actually didn't really change anything about it. That was one of the only songs that we never really did much to. Um, but yeah, it really just you know set the tone for the record, like being darker and more abstract and whatnot. But my favorite story from the record is there's a song called The Crows Are Coming For Us. And there's like these like game kind of like uh, like barbershop-esque style um, vocals in the bridge towards the end. Mm-hmm. And when we recorded those, me and Travis were on mushrooms. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, that, that's always a very vivid memory for me being in the vocal booth doing that and just being like, wow, I feel this like in my soul right now the, the crows are coming for us jesus <laughs> yeah <right. laughs> um, yeah moving on to the next one here uh sunny leaves and you take over being the lead singer here again yeah i mean man, it's crazy i need to write a book one of these days but um uh one of my favorite stories about that record is when we started making it sunny was still in the band a um he quit shortly after because of his voice we were also signed to Capitol Records, and we had just inked that contract, and it was large, like very large. And we got, you know, like our first little bit of it, and it was for like five records. Like at that point, I was like, okay, cool, five records on this label. Like my life is basically laid out in front of me, all good, whatever. Then that label, Sunny quits. We're like, oh my god, they're gonna sue us, because um, <laughs> <laughs> we didn't tell them. And then the label, <laughs> by some weird like coincidence, the label got bought out and they needed to like liquidate like 30 to 40 percent of the artists on their roster. So this guy, Jordan Scher, who became our manager, he was um, owner of Shertone Records and worked at Geffen prior to that. He was my friend because we had spoken with him about signing a year or two earlier. And he was like, hey, you should let these guys go. And then he re-signed us to Interscope. So then we started making the record with me singing on Interscope, getting out of that free, thank God. And then um, we self-funded ourselves for a while off the money from Capital. So in reality, Capital, they played a big part in that even happening. Um, that was crazy. So yeah, we, we made the record in a house. We thought we were going to self-produce it. We're all like, we're going to self-produce this record. We know how to record. And that didn't end up happening we just got high a lot we smoked a lot of weed back then we wrote a lot of good songs but like yeah it just it, the whole recording aspect of it like we, I'm like, hey let's go down and record i'm like eh, i don't know i'm watching grandma's boy <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was just like a weird transitional period in our lives too obviously like i was really nervous about being the singer and i came to find out later why and um but my favorite song on that record is two is one i just think it's like uh it's it's cool it just has a good vibe uh next here thrown to the wolves 
that's the record of like um when you've reached the point of you truly don't give a shit anymore and you're just angry <laughs> um that record is awesome i really like it because i feel like it's so authentically pissed off um and it's not even like that it's like insanely heavy or anything but just like the, the culmination of the way the songs are written and the lyrics and the delivery and everything it just like it's just unapologetically pissed the whole time and I really enjoy that about it because it's a reflection of who, I mean, I think that all art is a reflection of who you are when you create it. And that like really tells the story of like where we were mentally at that point in time. And uh, it's awesome. Um, that's that's a hard one to pick a favorite song, but I would probably go with um, <clears throat> probably the first track. What was that Cashing Out? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The lyrics on that song are fucking outrageous. Oh. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Then, then uh, you announced the band is going on a, a, a hiatus at the time. You join uh, Destroy Rebuild until God shows with uh, Craig Owens, right? Mm-hmm. You want to get into a little bit of that before we jump back into from first to last, what, what that was like playing with them or recording with them? That was great. Um, it was it was really different because I was I would say acquaintances at the level of acquaintances with the people in the band. Like we had toured together, mm-hmm. but we weren't like. You know, you do a tour and you're like, I love this guy, but then you don't see him again for years and years and years and years and years, you know. So when we got together, there was that level of familiarity, which made it work and made it cohesive. But like, we didn't really know each other. So then you're like getting thrown in this position where it's like, okay, you guys are the people in the band. It's like you're on a TV show or something, you know, it's like you've never written with any of these people before. You don't know if you vibe together necessarily. You assume you will. But um, and we did, which is great. It worked out awesome. Um. He made that record with John Feldman, which I had always wanted to do a record with him. Ended up becoming friends. They'll talk sometimes. Like, it's, it was a good experience. I mean, you know, we, we ran into, like, some, you know, other outside issues, you know, and they were mostly about personal matters and things like that. But, um, like, you know, on, on a level, a professional level, and, like, speaking about, like, the music that we made and all that, I, I mean, that band was really special. I thought that there was, like, a really cool thing there. And I have a group chat with Aaron and Adam and Nick that has been going on for damn i don't even know now like seven years maybe we're talking it they just texted me like four hours ago i think nice yeah um for first to last makes a comeback here um with the album dead trees you act you run in another a singer now at this point you you're not the lead singer now um spencer is the lead singer at this point yeah that was uh the same exact situation all over again i was gonna sing on the record and then spencer just happened to be there because my friend whose studio i decided to go to um he was friends with spencer and spencer was in the area he lived there he did live there and he had sang a song for a periphery they did this um this four song or five song ep where every member of the band wrote their own song and there's a song on there that he sang on i was like god it sounds like from first to last kind of it like blew my mind a little bit and then i was like yo you should sing on a song and then he was like i'll sing on all of them and i was like fuck yeah that's great let's go awesome <laughs> so and then we yeah I wrote the music for that record in like two days. Like legitimately, I I was just pounding caffeine, just writing song after song after song, and then that was it. (laughs) Wow. Uh, Favorite song from that record? Damn. Fuck. That one's kind of a tie. I think, let me pull up my iTunes really quick, because I can't remember the names. I'm really bad with song names. Um, (laughs) So see when you've done, like now that I'm a producer, I make like, you know, so many different albums. It's like really hard to keep track of that shit. Uh, Let's see. Okay, here we go um hate me dead trees and i solemnly swear like those three songs back to back i think all three of those songs are fucking awesome 
and they're all like kind of different you know yeah more recently here um sonny returns you guys played some shows with him you uh recorded two new songs with him uh make yeah. war and surrender are there any future plans for um any a newer from first to last album uh with sonny or or without um or a tour or anything like that once everything gets back to normal here so i was talking about this yesterday i did another interview yesterday and um i i brought up the fact that uh I think that because the band has been through so much for so long and there's been so many iterations of the lineup um i think that now that we've come back to like where it all began i don't for like the sake of the fans and like the story of the band like if it was a movie i would say that this is the right place for it to stay um you know what i mean and uh like, I don't want to confuse fans anymore. I don't want to add, like, any more, like, convoluted ideas to, like, what it is that we are or what we want people to perceive us as. And because of that, I don't want to do anything going forward unless Sonny is involved. But at the same time, he is also Skrillex. Right. And um, I don't think that many people truly understand what that means. They just think, like, oh, he's a DJ, but he's not just a DJ. He's, like, a... Uh, He's, like, a very involved person in music. Like, he's also a producer, like I am. Like, he... But he works with, like, Rihanna. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's, it's like, insane. Like, legitimately, like, like we could be hanging out and he will just get a call from, like, the most famous person you could ever imagine being like, yo, how about that track? And you're like, oh, yeah. It's just <laughs> such a different level. It's insane. And, you know, he's, like, part of, like, that pop urban world now. And on top of that, he's, like, you know, a very diversified business person, too. Like, in all these different, you know, things like real estate and restaurants. And it's just... So, anyway, he he's so much more vast than I think people see on a surface level as far as, like, what he does with his time. And, anyway, I think that you can kind of understand the picture I'm painting here. Right. Well, those two recent songs you guys recorded and released were awesome. Was kind of hoping we, we can get a little more of that. But... Totally, totally understandable. Um, well, I mean, I'm not saying it can't happen. I right, just yeah. like, yeah, I'm like in this position where it's like I can't do it without him, and I don't want to force him to do it because then it won't be good. So you just have to wait till it's like an organic oh, desire, sure. you know. And it will happen. I'm sure it will eventually. I just don't know when, you know. Got it. Uh, you did mention how uh, you're also a producer now. Um, can we get into some of that? Yeah. Well, I mean, they're very different. It, I mean, they're the same in the fact of you're making music. But other than that, there's really no similarity. Um, like, I toured for 10 years, like, basically without stopping. And um, I love touring. Um, the ability to, like, go around and just kind of, like, uh, be like, hey, here are my ideas. And I'm going to play them for you on stage. And you're going to, like, freak out and act like this is the most important thing in the world to you is very humbling and amazing. And uh, that feeling is, um, I would say it's uh, addictive, honestly, in a way. You know, there's, like, definitely, like, a some some kind of chemical reaction in the brain that's happening when you're, like, cre like the art that you created, when you're, like, performing it and watching people react to it in that way. It's incredible. Um, and that feeling is obviously amazing. So, um, you know, you're always going to, like, miss that in some way. But after a while, the lifestyle gets very draining. And... You kind of just need to like i don't know just limit it i guess like i if we were in a position where we toured now i don't even want to do it for short bits every once in a while but um now that i'm a producer you know 
my favorite thing about being in the band was always making the music. So now I spent I spend just about every day making music, which is always my favorite thing to do anyway. And now, in a sense, I get to join a different band like every month. So <laughs> it's fun, you know, and I get to stay at home. Like I have a wife and a kid now, so I have like an actual home life for once. And it's great. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, what what are some of the bands uh, that you've been working with? Any um, bigger names here, or any, any like uh, up up and comers that we should look out for? Yeah. Um, let's see. So like the things I have out that have come out like recently are like Hollywood and Dead, Asking Alexandria, Sleeping with Sirens, um, a couple other things. I'm trying to remember. And uh, I'm like always working on new stuff. I did some stuff with Butcher Babies, who else? Um, the fan Gemini syndrome, like a metal band. Oh, Anti Flag. They're from Pittsburgh, right? Yeah, yep. I've been I, trying to I get did. them on a show, and then I can't get through to them. But it's <laughs> yeah, I yeah, uh, I did their newest record. Nice. Uh, yeah, so you know, like you know, like things that are like kind of ingrained in my world. But then I also do like all this like kind of like active rock FM rock stuff too, which is mm-hmm. nothing I ever thought I'd be doing. But for some reason, I had this natural like knack for it. I don't know where it came from, but um, <laughs> so I've been doing that too. And uh, there's this band. I didn't produce them, but I mixed their record, and they're called Dragged Under. I keep bringing them up because they're they open be big, for they open for the used on their latest tour, right? Was that yeah, yeah. awesome? Yeah, I mixed their record, and since doing that, I uh, I passed them on to some people, and then those people passed them on to some people, and I mean not because of me, but now they're signed, and that's pretty fucking cool. Hell and yeah. uh, they're gonna make another record in a year or so, probably, or who knows? I guess because of coronavirus or whatever. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, either way, I found out about them because my buddy recorded some songs with them and asked me to mix them, and then they just, I was like, damn, this is great, and they're getting bigger every day, so good for them. I'm stoked. Hell yeah. Uh, so the show is called For the Berg here, based out of Pittsburgh, PA, like you mentioned earlier with Anti-Flag. Do you have any favorite venues or um, cool show memories, places to go while you'd be on tour, any, anything like that? Um, Pittsburgh, is that the place that has like the church venue? There's there's two. Uh, Altar Bar is one a lot of the guys bring Altar up. Bar. It's, it's, it's not a venue anymore. It's back to a church again. Uh, but oh. Mr. Mr. Smalls was also in a church turned into a uh, venue. But I played both those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you do you know what uh, the term jagoff means? Pittsburgh term no, means no. like ass, means like asshole dickhead. Uh, I've been oh, asking, yeah, yeah, okay. I've been, right. I've been asking every guy this question. Um, kind of batting five hundred on it. Half will give me an answer. The other half kind of brush it off. But um, totally up to you. I'm gonna ask it anyway. Uh, <laughs> being being famous, meeting I'm sure a bunch of famous people, obviously over over your twenty years here doing what you've been doing. Um, have you been ever been really excited to meet somebody that just turned out to be a jagoff? Oh um yeah i'm sure i'm just gonna have to think about it for a second (laughs) well yeah i mean it it doesn't really fucking matter right but like kiss like we toured with kiss and i was you know i guess in my head i thought that there would be like you know maybe just like a like a hey thanks for being here guys or something and nothing they actually yeah they actually made us um our green room they made it as far away from theirs as they could make it because we were in arenas every day so like they're oval shaped right so they would put us on the opposite side the away team (laughs) dressing room yeah it was crazy and like when they were walking the stage like you weren't allowed to be within like 30 feet of them and stuff it was just they never said a single word to us the entire time in fact our tour manager even went up to Gene Simmons and thanked him for having us. And he was like, wait, who are you? And he was like, oh, I'm with the opening band. He's like, huh? And then he just completely blew him off. And I was like, you know, I get that's like your character on TV, but like you can actually be a real human. Yeah. People. 
Like it's no. okay. Trust me. <laughs> That's definitely a good answer for 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 the uh, Jagoff question for sure. Um, <laughs> Couple of fan questions here, and then I'll let you go, buddy. Um, do you or anybody in the band have any weird superstitions or uh, pre-show rituals or anything like that before hitting the stage? Um, well, in drugs, we had the pre-show ritual that Adam, our bass player, would put on like Little Wayne and shit like that, and we would just like slam shots. I mean, if that counts. Yeah, it counts. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> we made up this thing called the Ring of Death. You just find like a circular table and just line the outside of it with jack shots and just try and get the whole thing. Bad idea. Well, listen to Lil Wayne. That's awesome. What's your favorite Lil Wayne song? Yeah, six foot, seven foot. Nice. Or six foot seven. Is that the whole title? I don't know. You know, you know which one. I, I yeah, yeah. No. Um, what band have you seen most live as a fan, not being on tour with, but paid for tickets? Oh, okay. Um, Blink Wayne too. Nice. Yeah. And last one here. If your band could tour with just one other band for the rest of your career, what band would you want to tour with forever, and why? Wow, what a question. Yeah, I get I get a lot of guys on that one. <laughs> yeah, because I mean it's like really hard to pick. Uh, yeah. That's the point. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I mean, if it was solely up to me, I would pick Hollywood Undead probably. Nice. Because those guys, those guys are just like ridiculously funny all day, every day, and it just never turns off. It is so fucking hilarious being around them. That's awesome. All yeah. right, man. That's all I have. Is there anything you wanna you wanna say or plug or anything like that before I let you go? No, man, just, you know, I'm just, I hope everybody out there is just, you know, staying safe and staying sane and, you know, looking forward to when we can be humans again together. <laughs> I appreciate it, buddy. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Nope. Mr. Pop. All right. Thanks for tuning in to yet another episode and keep your eyes out for the next one, guys. Thank you. Thank you.